What a play by Wise! Mercy! You can doubt the Chiefs! You can dislike the Chiefs! You can disrespect the Chiefs! You're gonna have to deal with the Chiefs! Hello, everyone. You're listening to Kingdom City, reclaiming sports journalism for Christ and his kingdom. On this week's episode, we talk NHL playoffs and the incredible battles for Lord Stanley's Cup, NBA playoffs, and high drama in the California turf war. Ryan Garcia gets run over by a tank, and an MVP lands in NYC. This is Kingdom City. This is Ross Harris joined by Gideon Beeler. We are Kingdom City. Thank you for tuning in. Gideon, we are here in the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs. Things are heating up. We are halfway through round one. Some teams are through round one, but the pressure's on. That's right. And there are moments now in these series when you're starting to see teams pull out all the stops trying to provoke any reaction, trying to gain any edge they can, trying to see which team has mental midgets and which teams are cast iron and ready to go the distance. We're seeing which teams have self-control and which teams don't. And we're seeing how that self-control or lack of is going to prove itself to be a microcosm of our culture, how the media is showing that lack of self-control is a virtue in sports today and that you can get a free pass as long as someone else does something to you first. Mm. So with that in mind, let's get right into the sports. Let's get right into the talk. We're going to start in the NHL playoffs. I know this is something you care so mightily about, Gideon. So just get ready as we talk about. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. We're going to start with the Hurricanes versus the Islanders. Let's talk about how we got to where we are today, which is... Four games into this round, this first round of the playoffs. Carolina Islanders, we have a rivalry game here in this division series. So we head to the PNC Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina, as the Hurricanes host the New York Islanders. Hurricanes definitely favored in this one. They were my pick to win the series. But the Islanders would do everything in their power to make things tough. Now, Carolina had a shaky power play unit coming into the Stanley Cup playoffs, but not in game one at all. Sebastian Ajo and Stefan Newsom would notch power play goals for the Hurricanes each, and Ryan Pollock would pull one back for the Islanders, but the Hurricanes would hold them off, taking round one by a score of 2-1. to one. Let's go to game two. The Hurricanes came out of the gate fast, taking a 1-0 lead, thanks to Paul Stastny with the goal. Stefan Newsom would tally for a number two again for the Canes. The Islanders would mount a comeback for what appeared to be a series-changing win, and they would score three straight goals thanks to Kyle Palmieri, Matthew Barzal, and Brock Nelson, all scoring for the Islanders. But Jakob Slavin would then arrive just in time to square things up for the Kaniacs. Game two would head to overtime, and Jesper Fast would send the Canes into euphoria as Carolina would hold home ice advantage and a 2-0 series lead to New York. Game three takes us to the UBS Arena in Elmont, New York, where the Islanders would go on to make history in the NHL. 
There was a scoreless first period before Casey Sizikis put the Islanders ahead midway through the second period. Four minutes later, Jesper Fest would tie things up for the Hurricanes. Then, in the final frame, and, and their Islanders would proceed to blitz the Hurricanes for four goals in a span of two minutes and 44 seconds. That's an NHL record. They take game three and defend home ice, bringing the series to 2-1 in favor of the Hurricanes. Moving on to game four. Four minutes in, Seth Jarvis puts the Hurricanes ahead. Then a scary hit delivered by Ryan Pollock on Jack Drury as he just gets folded into the boards. It'll be interesting to see how the Hurricanes respond to that play. And respond, they would. 75 seconds into the second frame, Martin Nika slots one in and puts the Canes up two to nothing. Then 13 and a half minutes into the second, Sebastian Ajo again. Man, how good is this guy? Adds another to make the score 3-0 Hurricanes. Third period, Seth Jarvis again strikes for Carolina to extend the lead to four. Two minutes later, Adam Pilek would bring one back for the Islanders, making the score four to one. Both teams would score an additional goal before the end as the Hurricanes take game four, five to two, and a three-one series lead. Game five would be will be tomorrow night as of the recording of this episode. And it's do or die for the Islanders, but I expect Carolina to get the job done. Moving on, just a short train ride away to Boston. The Bruins, the record-setting Boston Bruins, took on the Florida Panthers. The President's Trophy winners have struggled historically in the playoffs. Could the Bruins reverse that fate? Let's find out. Six minutes into the first frame, David Pasternak gets the Bruins off and rolling on their march toward history. The Panthers would actually outshoot and outhit the Bruins in this game, but early the Bruins would prove to be too much for them. Brad Marchand would score early in the second what would eventually be the game winner for the Bruins. Matthew Kachuk would put one back for the Panthers before Jake DeBrusque finished off the scoring to give the Bruins the 3-1 win. Moving on to game two, the Panthers arrived ready to make good on the words of their coach, Paul Maurice that they were going to do their best to annoy and be a thorn in the Bruins this entire series. Sam Bennett, no, not the golf amateur, but the Florida Panther, would score within the first two minutes of the second period. Ten minutes later, Brad Marchand would score a shorthanded goal. Big letdown for the Panthers' power play unit. They got to shore that up. Eric Stahl would fire the Panthers back in front just two minutes later. This game seemed poised for a grand finish as Tyler Bertuzzi then scored with just under three minutes left in the second to tie it up 2-2. The Panthers, though, were not having any of it. Like the Islanders, they would score early and often in the third frame. Brandon Montour, Carter Verhaeg, and Etu Listerian, Montour with two, would slam four past the Bruins. Taylor Hall would add a consolation goal for the Bruins before time ran out. The Panthers steal home ice and send the series back to Florida, knotted up at 1-1. One one. Let's go to check in on Game 3. We pick up in Sunrise, Florida, where Panthers fans were beginning to sense there might be some hope if they could hold serve. Boston would not let that happen. Taylor Hall opened the scoring this time for Boston two and a half minutes into the game. Charlie Coyle would add a second six minutes into the second period, and Pasternak and Feligno would add three and four respectively before Gustav Forsling and Sam Reinhart pulled two back for Florida. Unfortunately, it was too little, too late for the plucky Panthers as the Bruins win four to two. Game four would open with Brad Marchand getting a tough and gritty goal after almost 10 minutes for the 1-0 Bruins lead. 
Two minutes into the second period, Jake DeBrusque added another Boston goal on the power play. Florida needed something to happen to stay in this series, anything, and Matthew Kachuk would provide it. Johnny on the spot to pull one back for the Panthers, 2-1. to one. Third period, Tyler Bertuzzi puts the Bruins further ahead, 3-1. Just four minutes later, Sam Bennett would reply for the Panthers' score now, 3-2. to two. Jake DeBrusque would get on the score sheet again a little later to put the Bruins ahead 4-2, and Taylor Hall would add a fifth, followed by a massive brawl, resulting in a Panthers star, Matthew Kachuk, and Bruins goaltender, Olmark, needing to be separated. The Bruins would win 5-2 and take a 3-1 series lead. I sense that things are almost over for the Panthers there, as the Bruins are exerting all the dominance that they've exhibited all season. Let's move on to, in my opinion, the series of round one. To Newark, New Jersey and the Prudential Center, the Devils would play host to the Rangers. The Devils, my pick to make it out of the Eastern Conference. I'm riding high on them. The Devils' youth and playoff inexperience would show, though, through and through as the Rangers would resist these Devils and make them flee. Vladimir Tarasenko, Chris Kreider, Ryan Lindgren, and Philip Keitel, Kreider with two, would put five goals past the Devils. Young American star Jack Hughes on the Devils would put a consolation goal in on a penalty shot, but the Devils would have to take this loss on the chin and prepare for Game 2. Game 2 would prove to be the second verse, same as the first for the woeful Devils. They had a small measure of hope when Eric Halla opened the scoring for New Jersey early. The Devils, normally great in games following a loss, came up against another freight train in the Rangers. Tarasenko, Kreider with two again, Patrick Kame and Capo Caco would all score as the Rangers won, yes, again, by a score of 5-1. The Devils would now limp to New York with egg all over their faces and lots of questions to answer. Game 3, Saturday. The Devils make a change in goal as Akira Schmidt goes between the pipes. The Devils average 3.5 goals per game in the regular season, but are averaging a measly one goal a game now. Jack Hughes continued to show signs of struggle for the Devils. They need him to get going. First frame was scoreless for either side. Devils failing to capitalize on their speed. The Rangers finally broke the deadlock though through Chris Kreider. Again, he's having a fantastic playoff series. Devils wanted a slashing call on Zabanajad, but officials said no foul, one nothing Rangers. 11 minutes into the second, Jack Hughes would finally appear for the Devils when they need him. He received the puck just outside the left faceoff circle in the attacking zone and snapped a wicked wrister past Chesterkin. 1-1-1. The game would end the third period, all knotted up, and head to overtime. Deep in overtime, Dougie Hamilton rockets a wrist shot over the glove of Chesterkin for the Devils to pick up a massive 2-1 win in New York to bring the series 2-1 in New York's favor at present. Game four, Devils starting to find their way back in the series. Home team has lost every game this series so far. Jack Hughes breaks through the neutral zone and deeks one past Shesterkin inside the first three minutes to give the Devils an early 1-0 lead. Devils finally starting to play north and south hockey and use that speed. After a goalless second, Vincent Trocek fires the Rangers level two minutes into the third, his first goal of the postseason. But seven minutes later, Jonas Sigenthaler would put the Devils ahead yet again, 2-1. The Rangers would pull Shesterkin later to go for the tie with the extra skater, but Andre Palat would score an empty net goal to cap the 3-1 win and tie the series up for the Devils 2-2. Two 
Akira Schmidt playing a huge role in the net for the Devils, stopping almost 96% of the shots he's faced. Great story developing in this young netminder. Moving on to our final series of the East, we have the Toronto Maple Leafs, the second oldest team in NHL history versus the modern dynasty of the Tampa Bay Lightning. We move to Toronto in the province of Ontario. The Scotiabank Arena hosts this series. Would Toronto finally exercise the demons of this modern nemesis of theirs, Tampa Bay? Not in game one. Lightning would strike seven times this game. Pierre-Edouard Balmer, Anthony Sorelli, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point would have two, and Corey Perry, who is still playing and playing well, believe it or not, and Ross Colton would all get on the score sheet for Tampa Bay. Toronto never got within two goals of Tampa's score and would end up losing 7-3, crushing loss to start. Game 2, the Maple Leafs would put on an incredible offensive display of their own in Game 2, compiling 37 shots compared to Tampa Bay's 22. The hero of this game was John Tavares, the former number one overall pick by the Islanders. The captain led the Maple Leafs with a playoff hat trick. And while his goals were enough to get the win on their own, Mitch Marner would add two, William Nylander, Zach Aston Reese would also contribute, rebounding in game two with a 7-2 win for the Maple Leafs. Outstanding performance all around by Toronto. They lose home ice, but regain a portion of dignity heading to Florida. Austin Matthews needs to be showing up for the Maple Leafs if they're going to beat the Lightning. Game three began in Tampa Bay, Florida, with Noel Achiari striking first for Toronto to go up 1-0. Tampa Bay would respond 90 seconds later through Anthony Sorelli. 11 minutes in the, into the first, Austin Matthews would finally open his playoff account this season, giving the Maple Leafs the 2-1 lead off a deflected goal. The period would end after Brandon Hagel's strike tied the game up 2-2. 13 minutes into the second period, Darren Radish found the back of the net to give the Lightning a 3-2 lead. Tampa Bay then had a goal controversially ruled out after poor positioning by the head ref, honestly, kept him from seeing the puck. Early in the third period, Steve Stamkos and Austin Matthews would get into a pay-per-view title fight. These guys were throwing bombs. Fight started because of a scary hit on Braden Point, and hopefully he's okay. Then, with one minute left in the game, Ryan O'Reilly tied the game up for the Maple Leafs. We are going to overtime. It has to be said that Toronto goaltender Ilya Samsonov played outstanding in that game, stopping 36 of 39 shots. Game was balanced on a knife's edge until Morgan Riley for the Maple Leafs struck with 40 seconds left in overtime to give Toronto the 4-3 win and the 2-1 series lead. The tension in the series is heating up with every second. These teams hate each other. And if you have to watch a series in the playoffs this round one, I recommend this one. That's your NHL recap for the Eastern Conference. Gideon. Wow. That was intense. That was a lot of updates. Dude, this this playoff series, all of them have been so good. Like the amount of the the there's gonna just blood on people's faces there have been great fights you have boston's goaltender dropping gloves linus olmark throwing down his gloves to beat the snot out of matthew kachuk and normally goaltenders don't get into fights yeah i wouldn't think so they're normally they try to present themselves as like they are the voices of reason they don't get involved the peacemakers. in peacemakers yeah but the thing is they're the ones who <laughs> i always joke that soccer goalies and hockey goalies they're the most psychopath 
<laughs> psychotic people because <laughs> they just enjoy having projectiles flung at them <laughs> for minutes on end. But then they're the ones who won't get involved in fights. And that's, that's an interesting point. I never <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> Gluttons for punishment unless it's a fist coming at them. But no, Linus Olmark, that guy, he threw the gloves off, threw his helmet off. Referees had to separate him from Matthew Kachuk. Like, these games are amazing. And I tell you what, if there is a kid, a person, a player to watch right now in the playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference, but if you can't watch David Pasternak on Boston, try to watch Jack Hughes for the Devils. This kid is young. I believe he's like 21 years old, and he's wow. already one of the best players in the NHL. Um I don't know what the what's the normal like prime or like peak age for an NHL player. Uh, usually, for uh, normal for most, probably about twenty five to thirty. That's usually, but some players are playing much older now. You have like Alexander Ovechkin, who I think is like thirty seven, thirty eight, and he's still playing at a high level. Yeah, but and, he's like one of the best of all time. Right, one definitely one of the best goal scorers and one of the best strong guys. Like I was gonna say, isn't he second all time? Yeah, he's second all time. Gretzky. He is within touching distance of Gretzky's. Goals Goal record, record right? which no one thought, no one could, thought be would be touched. taken. But we, I don't know how long that's going to last with him, especially because the Capitals didn't make the playoffs this year. Mm. So who knows what's going to go on there. But this, I don't expect much more fireworks to come from the Carolina Islanders series. That series just looks, oh, Carolina just looks head and shoulders above that team. Sebastian Ajo is just way too good. Um, I, I can see the Islanders maybe winning one more game in New York, but if Carolina just looks so stout in every area of the game, and if their power play keeps picking up the way it has, then there's just I just don't see a way the Islanders come back in this. Uh, so my question is: Do you, are you changing any of your picks in no, the Eastern Conference? Not yet. I, like so I was, you picked Carolina, right? I picked Carolina, you picked Boston. Wins. I picked Boston. You picked the Devils. I did. Which and you picked okay. the. Maple Leafs, I did. if I remember right. So I have to I have I was sweating profusely. My my cheeks were clenching a little <laughs> on some of the That was puckering. <laughs> yes. With this Devils and Rangers game. Because when I saw them lose when I saw Two the Devils, at home? when the Devils lost both games at home but on aggregate ten to two on goals. That's scary. You have Jack Hughes being interviewed after the game. Yeah, we got whacked uh two games in a row, so Last thing I want to do is stand and talk in front of you guys. After game two, and they're like, so, Jack, you know, these bogus interview questions. Like, Jack, how do you feel about getting uh, embarrassed on home ice two games in a row? And, you know, I love Jack Hughes because he's, a, he's like a young kid, mm-hmm. but he's lead, he's an assistant captain on this team. He's like, well, you know, we just got pounded twice at home, so the last thing I want to do is talk to you clowns. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Like, how do you think I feel? Yeah, how would you feel? Exactly. <laughs> So, the, you think I want to be up here asking your answering your questions about it? Because the answer is no. Hockey players are amazing because they're not really marketed that greatly. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the great players, you really don't know about. Like I wouldn't expect you to know, um, as even like a guy who's watched 13 minutes of <laughs> hockey in his life, I wouldn't expect you to That's know generous. the difference between <laughs> like Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby. Right. I know the name Sidney Crosby, right. and I only know Connor McDavid because you've mentioned him. Right. I know Ovechkin. Just from and my Gretzky. time in Minnesota and then Gretzky. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> the NHL doesn't really market its superstars, which I'm fine with. I think the players like that. I don't think they like to be just 
put on every ad- advertisement that's available. Yeah. Now, what I love about the hockey players as well is they are very team centric. They do not like to make the games about themselves. Hmm. It's, um, it's, it's just it's a, it's such an interesting dynamic when playoffs come around. The intensity, as you know, with playoff basketball, or even the NFL playoffs, the intensity between in the switch that's turned between a playoff team, teams in the playoffs, and regulate regular season hockey, night and day. I would assume if it's anything like the NFL or the NBA, that physicality goes way up. So teams get much more physical, um, and that the refs become way less refy. <laughs> so <laughs> they call less, and so the game gets even more physical. Yes. So they they, they understand that a lot of the refs. The refs have not been great so far in round one of the playoffs. Um, there have been some hits that have been just like, that guy nearly decapitated that other player. Like his capo was detated to close <laughs> <Yeah>. the, <laughs> the. What's that from? The office. That's one of yeah. the Michaels. But um, there have been some absolutely just violent hits that are just. That's what hockey fans love, though, right? Yeah, but I don't like seeing Joe Pavelski's brains come out of his head oh, and gosh. fall on the ice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gross. not. Well, I don't like the one I mentioned in the Tampa Bay, Toronto series. Mm-hmm. I mean, Braden Point. I saw that hit happen live, and I cringed because he got he was out of control. He could not stop himself, and a guy just rammed his head into the boards, mm. not the glass, the the hard end mm. on the bottom, and he crumpled. To the ground, and like this is we're talking. Did it get like carted off? No, thank okay, th- thank God he good. didn't have to get carted off. But um, the other thing that ram- ratchets up is like every time a goaltender makes like a key save, mm-hmm. um, and like gloves it so that they hold it for a faceoff. The 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 attacking players they have to go, they have to go all the way. They have to go balls deep to get to try to get any goal that they can. They have to go after it, so they're often running into goaltenders. Mm. And so anytime that happens, fight instantly because the defensemen for the other teams, they're instantly wrapping the guy up because, like, how dare you touch our goaltender? Right. And that's when all these brawls start. You have guys wrapping their arms around necks. You have gloves dropping. And sometimes you, you just see, like, or some of these young guys that are just making the playoffs and they see that the other guy has this, like, legendary tough guy yeah. on their team. Like um, uh, like a bruiser. Right. Just like- you think of someone like... um. Back in, uh, I think it was the early 2000s, you have a legendary tough guy, Mike Rupp, won Stanley Cups with a bunch of teams, but he was like a, a fighter, mm-hmm. proper fighter. He was on the ice yeah. oh, to yeah. be an enforcer and to, to knock dudes out. Yeah, and um, then you he's have... He's like an okay hockey player, but he was a really good fighter. He was fantastic. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was, well, he, he was just a world-renowned tough guy. And um, then you have another guy come up, Zidane Chara. He's like uh, this... Eastern European, like, legendary guy. He's got that thick accent. He's like, Rupper, would you honor me with a fight? <laughs> like, he wanted to be he wanted to be counted as one of the, yeah. like, body counts yeah. for this guy. And he kept saying, no, I won't fight you. No, that's not the time yet. Maybe later, kid. And finally, they had a fight, and Rupp just gets waxed by this <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. And then he says, Chara has the gall to stand over and say, thank you so much for this fight. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, I'm sorry I knocked you out. It's like Ivan Drago after he kills Apollo Creed. Like, if he dies, he <laughs> dies. <laughs> but no, it, 
playoff hockey's one of a kind. It's Maybe awesome. I need to start watching some Dude, hockey. It, it's so good. Some hockey. Yeah, <laughs> some some college hockey. And uh, no, it, if you're gonna watch a series, Devils, Rangers, or Toronto, Tampa Bay, those are the teams to watch, especially on the Eastern Conference so side. Devils, Rangers, literally a home game hasn't been won. A home game has not been won. That's interesting. Either team. Um, and the thing is, I think the Devils have got through their youth and inexperience, their early jitters. They're starting to turn it on, and they 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 made a change after Game Two to Akira Schmidt in goal. Hmm. Um, their previous goaltender played great all season. For some reason, he wasn't getting the job done in the playoffs. Hmm. But I don't think the Devils as a whole were getting the job done because they they just couldn't stop anybody. They were playing too much East-West hockey and not enough North-South where they just have more speed. They transitioned in Game 3, and they've held the Rangers to one goal each each of the last two games. Wow. So they whatever adjustment Lindy Ruff made for the Devils, it's working. And we'll see if the Rangers can adjust. I hope not. I want <laughs> <laughs> For your I, prediction's sake. <laughs> yeah, I need my predictions. But so far, so far in the Eastern Conference, we're lining up for just right. Up. So Sounds like you know your stuff. Well, well let's, let's transition yeah. to another team that is young and playoff and experience that you also picked to win a series, yes. but in a different sport. Yes. To the Kings and the Warriors. So this is the opposite of what's going on with the Devils and the Rangers. Yes. And that only home the home games are the only ones that have been won. Started out Sacramento went up two oh on the on Golden State and Golden State I mean, since Steph's been there and Steph's the, the, the dynasty um, period, that Golden State has never been down. Right. Oh, two. Right. It looked grim. It's looking grim. It was looking grim. It was looking. Trust me. I was. How much were you sweating? Talk about butt pucker. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Not my Warriors. Come on, guys. But I'm very, as I mentioned in the previous episodes. Very confident in the Warriors at Oracle. That is the most like electric arena in sports. And they weren't just down 0-2. They were down one of their core players. And well, going into game three, yeah. With Draymond three. being suspended after yeah. the quote-unquote stomping, the stomping of, of Sabonis. DeMontis Sabonis. Yeah. Which I thought was stomping was a little overdone. He you thought off of him. You thought it was soft, huh? You thought you thought that Draymond, it was it was blown out of proportion for sure. Because if you watch it, once Savonis is like sneaky, yes. dirty. Yes. Draymond's like when he does something, he's very open about it. He's not secret. He's about openly it. dirty. Yeah, I don't even call it dirty. <laughs> he's just know. openly m- more physical after the play. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not like cheap shots, dirty, I don't think. He's kicked guys in the nuts like eight times. Like Steven Adams would tell you he's pretty dirty. He's um, need guys in the gut while flying past them, blocking shots. He has dirty play compilations I mean, on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he's dirty, but that's me. He's a little physical, and he's a little over... Over the top. I think I learned a lot about what kind of basketball player you would be right now. <laughs> um, and uh, well, I'm, I love defense. So okay. When I play basketball, that's what I pride myself. I'll wear a cup so. if we play. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna Dylan Brooks you. Okay. okay. I'm not Good gonna to nut tap you. Good to know. Sam Region for the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the Draymond Green thing, like he, 
Sabonis literally held his foot as he's trying to run. Mm -hmm. So he's going to run, and Sabonis is on the ground, and he holds his foot. And so that stops him from being able to pull his foot in front of his other foot. And so the foot that Sabonis held, Draymond put back, it landed on Sabonis because he's like Mm -hmm. trying to run, but it gets caught. And so he has to put it somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And because he pulled it out of Sabonis' arms and then it landed on Sabonis. Mm -hmm. In game one. Now, then he, he did step like, he boosted himself off of Sabonis, like used that right foot to propel himself off Sabonis. Like a a Sonic the Hedgehog spring. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. But it wasn't like he pulled his foot. When I think stomp, I think of like, pull my foot up off you, smash it back down on you. That's what I think of when I think of stomp, right? And Curry's got the board. Green gets tied up. And a technical has been assessed. Mm-hmm. His foot was already on him, and he just pushed his weight up onto him and off of him, which so, was way less damaging. So why did the NBA suspend him? Because his history. So it was so it was all because of his history, it was not his because history, of the play. And I think... Well, what he was doing after, in inciting the fans, and I don't know if you watched it. I did, but him doing oh, I did. that. <laughs> what I can't hear you guys. Come on, what, yeah. what, what? While they were yeah. reviewing the pay, play, all his antics. Um, to like, I, I do you remember the malice in the palace? Oh yeah. Okay, so <laughs> the NBA doesn't want that to happen again. Oh yeah. Right. What when fans mm-hmm. get involved with players on the court? Like, I mean, the malice in the palace happened because. A fan yeah. chucked his beer onto Ron Artest. Right. First of all, mad respect to the Kings fans for not getting involved at all right. during that game. So they're, when they're trying to incite the fans right. to do something, mm-hmm. and you get some drunk idiot who right. talk about self-control, mm-hmm. who's completely intoxicated at the game and does something silly, mm-hmm. that, the NBA doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of like a put your foot down. Right. You're not going to do that and have the conversation with Draymond on the side like, we didn't suspend you for the stomp. We suspended mm-hmm. you for trying to incite violence. Yeah. Which or I was, what could be seen as inciting violence with the fans. Right, which I was surprised about because this is a very playoff immature crowd in Sacramento. Yeah. They don't have a lot of experience. Exactly. But they had the wherewithal, the self-control, to uh-huh. just <laughs> give the most middle fingers I have ever seen a person <laughs> get <Right. laughs> that I've ever been shown on public television. <laughs> Right. Ever. <laughs> and if you're listening to this and you have never seen the video of what happened at the Malice in the Palace, you should really go watch it. Because I don't think there's really been something like that in other sports. Uh, there was one in like the 80s or 70s when the Boston Bruins players climbed into the stands to okay. beat up some people. That okay. was wild. But I mean, this was like NBA, like Ron Artest straight up like knocked a dude. That was a lot of fighting. Unconscious. There's a ESPN has a documentary on it too. The guy got out of the stands. Yeah. Got down onto the court, walked up to Ron Artest, and got dropped. Oh, I know. Yeah, that was. It was crazy. So there's actually a Netflix documentary on it. If you want to watch it, it's really, it's really cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I think it's literally just called the Malice of the Palace. Um. So. Game three, they're down Draymond. Down Draymond. So you got a small ball lineup. They yes. go Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, DeVincenzo. Wiggins, nope. no. Wiggins, and, and Looney, Looney was the starting lineup. Okay, um, worked out great. First game home in in, in um, Golden State, and I actually wasn't really that worried about it. I thought they were going to win, mm-hmm. and I actually was like, "Cool, Draymond got suspended. That just gives him a game of rest, mm-hmm. a game to to 
to energize the team. Like, oh man, they suspended Draymond. I give them that that inner fight that they needed, Ex- some extra motivation to mm-hmm. go out and perform, which they did. They the two games in Sacramento were very close games. Yes, could have gone either way. Game three in, in Golden State without Draymond. Golden State controlled the entire game. Yeah, what, it wasn't even close. What impressed me the most about the first two games was Sacramento shot lower three point percentage during the playoffs than they did during the regular season and still won. Now I fully expect them to lose every game in gold in San Francisco. I expect them to lose all three of those in this series. I think the home team will win every single game. So game three, even with Draymond out. Not surprised at all that Golden State played amazingly as well as they did. Curry has been lights out. Oh my goodness, Curry's shots are just th- this game. This series is feels like the West should be the Western Conference Finals. Yes, with as electric as it's been, De'Aaron Fox has arrived. He is a superstar in this league. Malik Monk, Malik Monk is great, but but it's all De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox has been every single. Like he won clutch the first ever clutch player of the year, and every shot he needed to make, mm-hmm. to per, if like you're thinking his team's about to be out, and they need a shot or they're gonna be out because Golden State's gonna come down, and knock one, and put the dagger in. Yeah, he would knock it down, knock it down. Literally, game four when uh, it, Steph called a timeout <laughs> when they didn't have one, which is a technical foul. So, were you watching this game? Yeah, I watched the whole game did you know they didn't have any timeouts yes because they they lost the challenge yeah i completely forgot they didn't have any somewhere you know chris weber was yelling (laughs) at the tv like i feel your pain steph i've been there he's such a veteran yeah and so seasoned to to make that mistake is just like but this is the first i think this is the first year with the challenge i'm not familiar honestly um I know they added the challenge, but I don't know so, when it started. Th- that's weird for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, so it's a technical foul, which in basketball, technical foul means, so if, if one team commits a technical foul, the other team gets to shoot one free throw, and they get possession of the ball. Yeah. So it, it was a potential for a four-point play. Yeah, and it was a five-point lead at the time. Yes. For the Warriors. five-point lead and a potential for a four-point play for the other team. So the Warriors had the ball with a five-point lead, which means they have a chance to go up either seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Two or a three pointer. Mm-hmm. Instead, Steph calls a timeout when they don't have a timeout. Technical foul, which means Sacramento gets a free throw, and then possession of the ball, which is another two pointer or three pointer. So yeah. that it's effectively it could be a three or a four point mistake. Right. Um, and and I was sitting there at my parents' house, and I said he he called that timeout. I was like, no. I was like, what? I'm like, oh my goodness, it's a technical foul. I'm like, this is this is potentially a four points play. And it was. De'Aaron Fox drills a three to make it a one-point game. Now, we're talking about if Sacramento can make one more one more shot and hold the Warriors. We're talking about one of the almost one of the greatest all-time playoff gaffes of oh, all time. Yeah. If, they would have, if, if Harrison Barnes would have hit that three and they would have lost the game, it would have been because all Steph's fault. Because not only did Steph call, that, call the phantom timeout, but the next play, they shot with like what thirteen seconds still to go in the game, mm-hmm. and threw up a prayer and it missed. Sacramento gets the rebound, timeout. Now, oh my goodness, Golden State fans are wondering how on earth are we about to throw this game? Yeah. And Mike Brown. Now, I'm convinced Mike Brown has had a strategy 
this entire series, and it was it culminated in the end of game two, which is we've seen Sabonis do it. We've seen um, uh, um, a few other players on the Kings do it. They are constantly trying to pester Draymond Green, mm-hmm. and because Mike Brown knows, he's coached him. Draymond's very emotional. Mm-hmm. Draymond is, uh, he is the like. He's the spirit of the team. First, that's a great word. He is. He's the spirit of the team, and as if, Draymond goes, so goes the Warriors. Right. If they can rattle him, like, and not rattle him in the sense of make him lose his confidence, but make him get too into the game. Yeah. Stupid S- mistakes. Stupid s- lack of self control. That's going to be a tipping point for the Kings. So they're trying to pester him like crazy. Game four was some of the greatest defense Draymond Green has ever played as a Warrior. He won him the game. Like on the last shot. That that help defense he played on De'Aaron Fox. Yep. De'Aaron was about to hit a step back. He said, Nisser. Dude. That, that it was amazing. He was just he was just and Harrison Barnes almost hit that three. Yeah. It hit off the back. Like it's one of those shots where if he would have had a little more arc on mm-hmm. the ball, it would have gone in because it hit mm-hmm. the back of the rim. Yeah. But bounced back towards him. Mm-hmm. If he had a little more arc on the ball. Yeah. I was thinking, um, we have to go back to Sabonis. He's just not, he keeps getting these points in the teens. That's not going to cut it for these Mm -hmm. guys. And there are times when he had a chance late in game four to put it away or to give them the lead, and Draymond would make this huge play again. And then, of course, there's that famous, that one iconic image of this game where he swats the ball out of Sabonis' hands and and flexes all over Mm -hmm. him, roaring in his face like, I, that's the image that everyone remembers from that game is mm-hmm. like Draymond Draymond's revenge in the end it was a perfect storyline it was a perfect storyline um, Warriors take game four by one yep what a, it was a game it was an instant classic yeah this is this series is so like I said it feels like the Western Conference final yeah. it's sad that it's that it's the first round mm-hmm. um, but cool what, what's super cool is that um, this first round for the NBA, um, is the most viewed first round in like a decade. So there's wow. people watching, like more people watching than in the last ten years. That's awesome. This first round, and it's and it and there's a good reason why. Like if you're not watching the NBA playoffs, you should be because all these games are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Well, I, not all of them, but more of them than we normally mm-hmm. have. Normally, the first round is like pretty much like they're. Easy routes like four zero, four zero, four one. Yeah, you know they're kind of a snooze fest. Yeah, series. it's like like kind of like Philadelphia, Brooklyn. Yeah, but like throughout. Yeah, but these the, these conferences were so close. They were so deep. Remember, like you said, in the Western Conference, the difference between three and eight was like f- three or four games. Yeah, like it, it, they were such tightly contested races. Yeah, and so the teams are evenly matched. So you got a three seed playing a six seed. Which you'd think, oh, the three seeds much better than the six seed, mm-hmm. but they're it, they're not a couple games. So yeah, it kind of seems really like seeds. Way. It kind of seems like for the most part, seeds are a myth this year in the uh, NBA playoffs. For sure. Um, speaking to uh, speaking of some of these uh, things getting interesting and things getting most watched, I think the Grizzlies and Lakers. <sighs> Dylan Brooks <laughs> is probably going working his way to be public enemy number one in Memphis. Like he is, first of all, LeBron James is doing what he does best 
and that's being a professional, being a consummate professional, getting his team ready for the playoffs, and now guiding them to mm-hmm. dominating this team so far. The Grizzlies and Dylan Brooks. Now, I said last week that I liked what he was doing so far as like it's cool to trash talk when it's zero zero. I love that he talks trash when the score's at zero. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to play that kind of villain, you need to follow through all the way. Live up to it. Live up, not just not just not just follow through on it all the way, but like you said, yeah, live up to it. Because what happened as soon as the Grizzlies went down two to one? Man, I don't want to talk to the reporters. I don't want to talk. Like, okay, dude. You want to run your mouth before, but now when you're getting clowned on by the Lakers, yeah. now you're after not, you got ejected. After you got ejected, now you're not going to talk. And okay, so I sent you something, and you and this was on um, first things first. Shout out to Nick Wright. Shout out, City. shout out to Nick Wright. This guy. Before you get to that, can I say something? Yeah, please do. So, it to me, it is the most idiotic and foolish thing for this young Dylan Brooks kid who wants to be a trash talker and try to get in people's heads, right? Yeah. What he's trying to do is like what Sabonis is doing to Draymond and and what you said Mike Brown's trying to do to Draymond, get him emotionally in- involved and make him make, do something stupid. LeBron's too D- good. Dylan Brooks is doing this to a guy who has been <laughs> a professional basketball player since he was 17 years old. And is now 38 years old. Yeah. Who's been in the league for 21 years. Has more, the most points in NBA history. He's literally like the most accomplished player in NBA history in terms of like stats. And has been, like you said, a consummate professional since he was 17. Mm -hmm. And you're going to try to shake this guy's foundation? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? Yeah. Pick someone else. So let's go over some stats for good old Dylan Brooks, okay? Now, this is among 55 players with 40 field goal attempts or more. In the playoffs. In the playoffs. Now, again, this is these are all credit of first things first. Mm-hmm. Um, points. He has 34, last of all 55 players. Field goal percentage, 32 and a half, second to last of all 55 players. Rebounds, seven, tied for last. Of all 55. Assists, five, third to last. Steals, one, second to last. Blocks, zero, last. Ejections, one, tied for the most. <laughs> like, dude, this guy, you cannot, you cannot blow all that smoke and have literally no heat. <laughs> That's a great way to say it. This is, I am just so furious. I hate, I hate uh, when guys talk like that. And then do literally nothing. I guess the talk is Dylan Brooks's uh, fifteen minutes of fame. I guess and <laughs> he's yeah. gonna. I guess he'll probably be out of the NBA in a few years if he keeps keeps this kind of play up. Right. Well, okay. So I want to talk about with that. We have. I have a quote that I want to capitalize on from Martin Lloyd Jones, and he says, "It does not matter how gifted you are. If you are difficult to get on with, your gifts are of no value." Do you think there are any but there's any player on the Memphis Grizzlies team, staff, coaching staff, GM, president, towel boy? Do you think any of them are like, "Hey Dylan, keep talking, please. We'd really appreciate it." <laughs> it's it, really helping us out. It's really helping. You know, why don't you go after Austin Reeves this time? Right. Try to make fun of him or something. 
And you're like everything he says seems to completely blow up in their faces. And if he's leading the league in technical fouls too, led the NBA this year. In technical led the fouls. NBA in technical like man. You got you got to first of all, you need to have some sort of credentials to make people respect you. You, I know he said, I'm not going to respect anyone until they're 40 or whatever, get 40 points. Like, yeah, uh, he, um, he, he is a, a good wing defender. So that, that's what he was saying. Oh, I mean, okay. he is a good defender. So he's saying, I'm not going to respect you until you drop 40 on me. Oh, I don't on care him. if you drop 40 on okay. somebody else. You got to drop 40 on me to earn oh, my respect. Gotcha. Gotcha. It seems like a lot for any player on any given night to drop 40 on. Yeah. But okay. Um, anyway, I respect the mentality, yeah. but you, like you said, you got to back that talk up, my yeah, guy. You have to. But you're dropping bagels on on the on like you're doing poorly. Yeah. So the Martin Lloyd Lloyd Jones quote, right? Yeah. If you you know, doesn't matter how great your gifts are, if yeah. you're hard to get along with. Well, Dylan Brooks is hard to get along with, and he's showing that his gifts aren't that great. His so. gifts are pretty much cold. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> so, um, he's not doing so hot. Yeah, and like I said, we're just guys who host a podcast, so not exactly pro athletes, but I I know what tied for last means. <laughs> I know I know what last means when it comes to you know this. what bad looks like. Yes, exactly. But let's go to someone who's the opposite of bad. Let's talk the Suns and the Clippers. And Russell Westbrook, the resurgence oh my. of Russ. Tell us what's going on here, Gideon. So um, Russell Westbrook was on the Lakers for the last two seasons, and the Lakers were doing very bad, and they traded a lot to get Russell Westbrook, and he's just he was bad. Mm-hmm. Field goal percentage was bad. He, he was just not a good mesh with the team. And um, LeBron actually was the one who got Russell Westbrook there. Yeah. And then um, failed experiment. Failed experiment, and so they ended up trading him right at the trade de- trade de- trade deadline this year. Easy for you to say. Um, do what? <laughs> I said easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Utah bought out his contract, so then he became a, basically a free agent. And the Clippers, the other Los Angeles team, right, um, signed him, and um, he's kind of had this like vengeance ever since. Like, oh, you're gonna count me out, and mm-hmm. now he has this like vengeance and. Russell has always played like effort has never been a problem for him. Right. He is not lazy by any means when it comes to playing basketball. He goes all out every single game. And that's just what he's been doing. He, and he's been playing absolutely insane. Because he kind of had this wandering through the wilderness time period where he was in Washington for a bit. He was in Houston, Houston for a bit. And LA. LA and then LA. Yeah. And it's been Really neat to see. Now he's going up against his former teammate, Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just lit this fire in him. And so in this series, you had Paul George, who got injured right before the season ended, who's the second best player on the Clippers. And then Kawhi Leonard, after the first game, or was it, yeah, first game or second game, in the series, is injured. And remember, I think I said it on the podcast. I said, now we'll see if he... You know, <laughs> like Kawhi did great. Remember when I yeah. had him on my top three on my medal stand? Yeah. And then I was like, now he's just got to not get hurt. And then he missed the, every right. game since I said that. And uh, it's all your fault. So, yeah. Sorry for that prophecy, Kawhi. <laughs> and um, so the Clippers have their two best players out, right? And 
West, Russell Westbrook has just stepped up and said, hey, guys, I'll put you on my back. Now, they're, they're losing, but they're in the game yeah. against the stacked mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns, who most people, after they traded for Kevin Durant, picked to win, yeah. win it all. Yeah. Um, and so I think the story from this series isn't that the Suns are up 3-1 and are likely going to win mm-hmm. in five games. I think the story of this series is how they're winning. Okay, so take any other team mm-hmm. in the NBA and take away their two best players. Okay, and tell me how they fare. Well, um, I think as we'll see later, if let's say we took around like uh, I don't know, take Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant and Devin, Devin Booker, Booker off the Suns. Absolutely, no way they win anything. <laughs> Nothing, right? Yeah, no way they even are competing, right? They might we, win. We literally mo- saw it with the Nets. Yeah. Take away their two best players. Yeah. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. What do you Swept get? by the 76 Swept. Yeah. Right? Um, but the Clippers are pl- are in each of these games. Mm-hmm. The, the Suns aren't absolutely demolishing them, right? Right. And it's not like they traded these two best players and got some guys back. They're just out for injury, yeah. right? The Nets actually traded <gasps> those players and got pieces back that, that can are good, you know? Um, so the Suns have Kevin Durant, who's um, the best offensive player in the world. Mm-hmm. He can score from anywhere at any point, at any time, in any way, all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Devin Booker, who's like, some people say he's like the kind of like Kobe Light. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Kobe Light. And... Uh, <laughs> That's my best explanation for it. Then you got Aldi brand Kobe, you got the point god in CP3, yeah, um, and DeAndre Ayton. Like they are a stacked team, right? Yeah. But their stars are playing. Kevin Durant played 38 minutes. Yeah, Devin Booker played 38 minutes. Chris Paul played 32, averaged 32 minutes in this series. Chris Paul has an average 32 minutes in a in a series since he was. 28 yeah and he's like 38 and so the suns are they're not getting any production from their bench Mm -hmm. it's all stars doing all the production and they're playing against a very injured team Mm -hmm. and they are getting by yeah so this is if i'm a suns fan and i pick the suns to win the west and the whole thing yeah i'm uneasy about this you're gonna go into the next and and you know who have to you know who they have to play next the they have to play the winner of um the uh nuggets timberwolves i believe yeah, so the nuggets yeah i'm so a timberwolves fans but they gotta play the trying nuggets. to be nice to you gideon <laughs> <laughs> they have to play the nuggets yeah i'm a timberwolves fan but i still pick the nuggets to win that series right. um and i think i said in five yeah I think the Timberwolves would get yeah. one at home mm-hmm. and they squeaked by. So if I'm if I'm the Suns, it's imperative they win this game in five. They win the series in five. If I'm a Suns fan, yeah, I want them to win the game decisively in five. Right. Well, just, I'm talking twenty point blowout. Well, I'm talking they need to win either in five or and in a, and or in a blowout because their starters need to get rest. Yeah. Before they go up against Jokic and them. Yeah. Well, I'm not just so. So, what I mean isn't isn't that they're going to get tired. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is you're playing a bad team, mm-hmm. and your superstar players mm-hmm. are only able to barely beat a bad injured team. Yeah. What's going to happen when you go up against 
the stacked Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. and DeJounte Murray. Like, good luck. Because um, they're deep when on their does, bench. When does Cameron Payne come back? Is there any word on him? Uh, he was supposed to come back in, like, game four, but he hasn't come back. Um, I, I personally think. Every time I watch the Suns and I watch Cameron play, Cameron Payne play, I think I would absolutely hate to be that guy's teammate. Really, biggest ball hog in the NBA I've ever watched with my own eyes. Hmm. And he's a professional basketball player. I mean, wow. he he's a point guard. And if you just watch, if you watch the Suns game and Cameron Payne comes in, yeah. If he touches the ball ten times, he is shooting the ball nine ten. of those ten times. <laughs> and the tenth time, it's because. He was about to shoot it, but was going to get blocked, and so he passed it. So he's going for that sixth man of the year award every it's, single time. Yeah, and it's just, as a fan, I'm just like, this is yeah. yucky to watch. And But the thing is, he's good at it. Mm-hmm. So he'll make a good amount of those, but it's like, dude, what? It, it, it just, I, I hate watching it. I'm like, oh, great, Cameron Payne's in the... Yeah. This is 1v5. Here we go. <laughs> right. The vaunted clear out, let me go. Yeah. Let me so. cook. So, Much rather watch a point guard like Chris Paul, who right. is or, a facilitator. Uh, or a Nikola Jokic type guy. Yeah, speaking of Speaking of a nu- the Jokic, let's talk Nuggets-Timberwolves. I'm pretty sure this series will end game five. Yeah, um, and it won't be close. The Timberwolves will lose by 30. I mean, it was an admirable effort by Edward, Anthony Edwards. Um, yeah, if there's any story from this, well, there's two stories from this series, okay? Yeah. One is that so many analysts, so many people have not picked the Nuggets to come out of the West. Mm-hmm. A lot of people haven't even picked them to make the Western Conference There's finals. a lot of disrespect for this A lot team. of disrespect, and they are showing why they shouldn't be disrespected. Because mm-hmm. Minnesota, they, they don't have chumps. Like, Minnesota mm-hmm. has some good talent, and the Nuggets are just absolutely embarrassing them. So, Denver reminds me kind of of the Chiefs team from this year in the NFL. Okay. The, the Chiefs did not blow people out. The Chiefs did not dazzle, like apart from the games when they had to get it done. Just methodical. Right. But they were like, piece piece. we don't need to show off stuff. We don't need to reveal our, our hand. We don't need to reveal who our pieces are, all that stuff. But when it's t- crunch time, we are going to play. Mm-hmm. That's a good comparison. That's what the Nuggets seem like they're doing right now. They come out and they are blowing the doors off. <laughs> These teams in the playoffs. Um, so far, the Timberwolves have looked awful. Like they don't belong. Yeah, and which is reasonable considering they made it in a playing game. Yeah, um, I yeah I was like wow like that's my team and I'm watching the games and I'm just like it looks yeah it's like what in the world man you guys are not even playing with any like in game in game four yeah I'm like the the Nuggets are lack lackadaisical and just like eh, they're kind of mm-hmm. going through the motions and the Timberwolves aren't playing with. Any sort of desperation, except mm-hmm. Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards. So that's the other story, is that Anthony Edwards has shown he is a bona fide superstar. And a great teammate, because you heard his interview after the game they won, after mm-hmm. they won game four. He didn't say a single word about himself. Every single word he said was, my teammates, my teammates, my teammates. Like, what a guy you want to play for. You He's, talk about the opposite of Cameron Payne. Yeah. You want to be around that yeah. guy. He's a professional and knows what to say at the podium, kind of like LeBron. Mm-hmm. I think Ant-Man will be – I think he probably looks up to LeBron a lot. He's a good guy to look up to. Um, and, yeah, he's – I hope Minnesota can keep him and build around him. They need to get rid of Carl Anthony Towns. Um, You're done with the KAT experiment? Yeah, he's too weird, and he, he's too full of himself. 
Um, and it, it's hard to recover from that Rudy Gobert trade, though. Yes, that's so an awful contract. Are pretty much and they toast. Sh- and it, they hope, so maybe I hope they actually trade Anthony Edwards and let the kid go do well somewhere else instead of being like KG and wasting away his career in Minnesota. Honestly, though, the playoff run table, it sets up well for the Nuggets because they get the Suns Clippers mm-hmm. winner, who's that's been a gritty series. They're going to get tired. And then they're going to get the winner of the Kings Warriors Grizzlies Lakers winners. So whoever comes out of the Grizzlies Lakers Kings Warriors, that's going to be a bloodbath again. Dude, what, the most yeah, if 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 we can have um so I think does that get us through all of the Western Conference? Yes. Yeah, that gets us through the Western Conference. So my predictions still Warriors still alive, yep. Um will face but I, I think the Lakers are going to come out yeah i had the grizzlies but the grizzlies aren't looking like the grizzlies of last year no they uh they did the old bait and switch on us coming into the playoffs so if you get warriors lakers another another california showdown with steph and four rings against lebron and four rings it's gonna be a if anthony davis is healthy the kings cannot take the lakers i don't think they don't have the inside presence to get that done I think the Warriors would be better poised to take care of that. Okay, interesting take. Um, but yeah, I, I hope the war- so. I think the Warriors will. I think they should take this series in six games. Mm-hmm. I think now that they've got the winning under them, mm-hmm. they got two wins, and and they're the reigning champs. They got a fire lit under them. They'll go. They should be able to go to Sacramento, and because the two games in Sacramento were so close. Mm-hmm. I think they've got the ability to go in and take the third game. And but they, they have to win one in Sacramento or they're going to lose. But the other wrinkle here is De'Aaron mm-hmm. Fox's hand is injured now. Yeah, that's I didn't hear about that. Um, message me so he, that. They might, he might have to play with a bandage on his shooting hand. That's so... And I don't know how you're going to shoot with a bad good. hand. Um, that ain't good. No. So I, I, if that is true and if Fox is injured... I don't expect the Kings to take this one unless it's going to take a Herculean effort by everybody else. Yeah. By everybody else. And Sabonis will have to become a superhuman. Yeah. If you were playing like the Nuggets, like if you weren't playing a team with such championship pedigree, yeah. then maybe you can overcome that. Mm-hmm. But when you got a team who's locked in, got the eye of the tiger and they're just ready to, and they know how to, they have a hit. Like Steph said, if you saw the interview with Steph, he said, yeah, we have a history too. Draymond has a history. We have a history. Mm-hmm. And, I thought I thought Steph handled that interview Steph, very well. Yeah, Steph is, I love him. Yeah. He's my favorite player to watch. He, he he's like he reminds he's like the NBA version of Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Or Patrick Mahomes. They have the a NFL lot of similar of qualities. Yeah, um, they're they're both family men. They're both you know quiet, you know hard workers, superstars. Mm-hmm. They do their thing. They say they say the right things at the podium, um, and they're like but they're likable personalities. Mm-hmm. In Agreed. the public, in the public um, eye, you yep. know they're not they're not like hiding like Kawhi or anything like that. Like yeah. people know them, um, know their families, right? You know their families are famous, so. right? Very well, a lot of similarities. Anyway, that's all I got from yeah. Western. Oh wait, I know. So I said Kings. So I think it'll be Kings Lakers, and then yeah, it'll be Suns Nuggets. Um, and dude, I think I think it'll be Nuggets Nuggets Warriors. Ooh. That would be good. That'll be a great series. Um, I'd like to see uh, Draymond and Looney versus Jokic. 
in the paint. That would I be think cool. it'll be Nuggets Warriors if if those teams yeah. are what fall to the second round. Yeah, I'd rather Suns Warriors for the Kevin Durant against his old right. championship team. That would that would be, be the great storyline. Either way, I mentioned that be, on our first episode that we talked about yeah. the playoffs. Either way, it's going to be a great matchup. Yeah. once we get to the Western it's Conference, it's, it's like it is. No matter how these things go in the Western Conference, it's you're gonna it's gonna be must watch TV. Right. So. Let's move on to, there's a huge fight. It wasn't even a title fight. What an atmosphere. What electricity. The biggest fight of the year. Gervonta Davis, Ryan Garcia. Both men are undefeated. Someone, Joe, has got to go. But this was a massively publicized fight. You had Gervonta Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Mm-hmm. And there was some bad blood here. These guys did not like each other. This was one of the most talked about, hyped up fights in like the last decade. Yeah. Um, because they're both undefeated. They're both undefeated. Floyd Mayweather was heavily involved with, un, in Davis's corner. Mm-hmm. Um, Floyd Money Mayweather. Yes, Floyd Money Mayweather. And um, this fight, um, Davis looked so ready. He looked, he looked so fast. So light on his feet. His movements were so precise and ended with one of the v- one of the absolute most venomous body shots <laughs> I've seen in so long. With a left. There's a left hook. That landed for Garcia, followed by a right. But Tank's coming forward. So it's if you don't watch boxing that often, um, so it's not a title fight. How many rounds was the fight scheduled to go? Oh gosh, um, it's not a title fight. Yeah, I don't. But recall. it's the main main card, main event. Yeah, I think ten rounds. Let me look it up while you're. But talking. if it's a title fight, I think it's twelve rounds. I could be wrong though. Uh, he was knocked out in the seventh round. I know he was knocked out in the seventh. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember how many rounds. Anyway, let's yeah. just say it's ten rounds, right? Yeah. So if you if if you know very you don't have to know a lot about boxing, but a common strategy is if you body shot them early, their hands are gonna come down to protect the body, and then you it opens up the face for you to knock them out, right? Well, it's rare that you see someone get knocked out from a body shot. I mean, just mm. think about that. Mm. Think about getting knocked out from someone punching the tummy. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, what? That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Now, this was, a, I believe this was considered a TKO. It was. So it a, was. a technical knockout means you didn't go unconscious, but, um, and, you know, the referee counted to 10 and Garcia didn't want to fight no more. Garcia went down on his own accord. Yeah. Yeah. So, what happened was Javante Davis drilled him in the stomach and he couldn't breathe. I mean, it was a it was a nasty liver shot. Yeah. Like just powerful with the left. Yeah. And you could see like the effects didn't show right away. Garcia backed up, backed up, tried to throw a punch, and then he went down on a knee like, Oh, I'm yeah. done. 
can't yep. breathe. And D- Davis is telling him to get up. Mm-hmm. Stand up. Come on. Come yep. and get some more. And he literally looks up at him and goes, nope. I and shook his head. Yeah, he couldn't go. <laughs> Dude, it was. <clears throat> and he didn't, he didn't say nothing. Like, a lot of times they'll smack talk after, you know, like trying to get their next fight. Like, ah, oh, that's BS, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll kick his butt next time. He was just like, Dude, I couldn't get up. Mm-hmm. I couldn't breathe. Kudos to him. Mm-hmm. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> and like I, I, I have never. I used to box with some of my friends back in high school. We would throw gloves on, throw the headgear on, and we'd beat the snot out of each good, other. As any good young man yeah, does, we'd beat the snot out of each other. I never had one of those vicious body shots where you're like face con- face contorts, <laughs> and but I can't imagine just that feeling of like all the air getting knocked out of you like that in one go so fast that you don't even realize how much damage is dealt to you. And then you try to breathe and you're like, crap. It's it's literally like difficult. You, It's not that you, it, yeah, it's it, like when that happens, you literally can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to take in a breath, but your body's like almost in shock. It's like, yeah. <laughs> your body's like, nope, not happening. You know? <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, when kids scream, Mm-hmm. And they do that. I can't breathe. Scream. And yes. it's like, and they're trying to breathe. It's kind of like that. Yes. <laughs> well, what a fight! It was oh, awesome. dude, yeah, it was great. I love. And those so, I mean, Javante Davis is on his way for being on his way to being, you know, talked about in the all-time greats. Mm-hmm. Um, he is. The, so the, these guys are catch weights, yes. 136 pounds. Yes, they're not very heavy, and, and and so in in those combat sports where you have like. UFC and and boxing when you have the lighter weights they're normally they don't normally don't knock out as much as your heavyweights mm-hmm. simply because right it's physics they yeah. have less mm-hmm. mass yeah force equals mass times acceleration right they don't have as much mass coming and onto your face they're sharper blows not heavier blows right so Javante Davis is twenty nine and zero with <sighs> twenty seven knockouts oh my goodness what at the catchweight division twenty seven <laughs> knockouts. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, that is insane. So he's a powerful hitter at such a lightweight. Um, so that's, that, that gets him high on the pound for pound ratings. I think he's ranked number three in the world right now in, in, um, the, the boxing's pound for pound rankings. Um, and then Garcia is now 23 and one and, but he has 19 knockouts. So he knocks a lot of guys out too. Um, so it's interesting to see how the rest of their careers will go. Um, I'm sure they'll fight again. I would like, this is one of those. This is one of those, um, I can't remember what the word, like, I don't want to say trilogy because you don't know how many times they'll fight, but this is one of those ones where they'll have lots of fights and I hope they'll so. be memorable, kind of like Fury and Wilder. Mm-hmm. I, I hope we do see more of this because <clears throat> this looked like, I want. I, I just want to see more of Javante Davis fight. He, he just seems dialed in and absolutely ready to go mm-hmm. every time he's out there. Mm-hmm. And these guys look absolutely chiseled. When they're there, like, it's crazy you told me they were 135 pounds. Mm-hmm. How on earth, with all that muscle, are they 135? Like, <laughs> well, they're probably five foot nothing. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, probably. But it's just, you don't, I, I always think of these professional athletes as these huge dudes. Yeah. But I guess seeing them up there, they probably are smaller. Yeah, like a Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. yeah. Not very big dude, but in my opinion, he's the best boxer ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just, you, you couldn't touch him. You mean Rocky Balboa is not the best of all time? <laughs> a lot of people, I mean, yeah, most people think Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all time, but 
it's kind of hard to 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 argue with a I think I literally think Floyd Mayweather was fifty two and zero. Yeah, he, he never lost a fight. Right, I think he had like fifty two wins. It's always hard to evaluate across eras. Whenever you're talking greatest of all time, yeah, things and weight classes, right? It's difficult to, to to go weight classes, but fifty two and zero, and you couldn't touch him, right? Because Muhammad would, Ali was heavyweight, right? Yeah, and then Floyd is lightweight. I don't even know what Floyd is. I think he's like buck fifty. The, the, the I don't know the names of all the weights in boxing. There's so many, and it goes by like. Four pounds. Right. Like 136, and then there's 140. Whole nother weight class. Right. 145. Whole nother weight class. So I think Floyd was like around 150. Okay. But he might be around, might be a catch weight, 136. He was a small guy. Yeah. But you just could not punch him. Right. It's really hard to win a boxing match. When you can't hit the guy. When you can't punch the guy. Right. Yeah. It's... I'm... Yeah, I'm hoping for more. This was a great fight. You guys should check out the highlights. It was fantastic. for sure. Um... Gideon, let's head out west to the NHL again. Sure. Because there are we only covered half the series the first go around. There's lots of more good hockey to go. Let's let's go to the west. Um, let's start with Texas hockey. We begin at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. The Stars taking on the Minnesota Wild. Your uh, Minnesota team again battling it out. State now, of hacking. Now, <laughs> yes, hockey town. This game was violent um let's start in game one this game was brutal we had almost a hundred hits tallied total between both teams um there's a little bit of normal amount there's like i would say probably around 70 now this game is a bit of history to it because the old minnesota nhl team was the minnesota north stars they relocated dallas became the dallas stars so this is kind of like a battle for history Mm. here there's a bit of a rivalry here now the hardest of those hits, though, what came from Stars fan favorite Joe Pavelski. He was leveled. As I said earlier, his kappa was detained with a controversial hit from Matt Dumba. Dallas would outshoot the Wild, but goals from Krill Kaprizov and Sam Steele would balance out the two goals from Dallas scored by Rube Hintz and Phenom Jason Robertson for Dallas. They would head into overtime and then double overtime after that, still tied when Minnesota would steal home ice when Orion Hartman slotted one past Jake Ottinger to give the Wild the win in Game 1. The Stars would need to respond to the hit on Pavelski and respond well in Game 2 to get a share of the spoils while at home. And respond, they did. Rube Hintz, who would score a hat trick for the Stars in this game, opened the scoring, followed by Tyler Sagan. Oscar Stunkfist pulled one back for Minnesota, but the Stars would not stop shooting today as Jamie Benn, Evgeny Dadnov, who scored two, and Rube Hintz again would all score to take a 6-3 lead before Hintz finished off his hat trick in the third. The Stars would tie the series 1-1 with a 7-3 drubbing, but the Wild had done the damage. They stole home ice and now head to Minnesota. Let's go to Game 3, and we arrive at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul, where the Wild hoped to capitalize on their efforts in Game 1 and hold serve. They would do just that. Matt Zuccarello and Marcus Johansson would open the scoring for the Wild, getting them off to a quick 2-0 lead. And Luke Gledening would respond for Dallas, but that would be the Stars' only bright spot, because Marcus Foligno and Zuccarello again and Game 1 hero Ryan Hartman would bludgeon the Stars as the Wild win 5-1 to take a 2-1 series lead. Game 4 is approaching that do-or-die range for Dallas now. 
and Game 4 would begin exactly how Dallas needed it to go, with Tyler Sagan opening the scoring for the Stars after 15 minutes into the second period. Evgeny Dadanov would add a second three minutes later in the third, and Minnesota would need to find a rebuttal, and they would through John Klingberg three minutes later. His next goal, though, would, would prove to be crucial, and Dallas would find it through Tyler Sagan yet again on 16 and a half minutes. Frederick Godreau would add a late goal to make things tense, but Dallas would take home the win and tie the series 2-2. Two to two. Let's move on now to the Rogers place in Edmonton, Alberta for game one between the Oilers and the LA Kings. This game has a lot of history to it as well. Edmonton being the house that Gretzky built versus LA, the team that Gretzky made famous after his move, controversial move to the Kings in 1988. This game has so much star power in it. You have Connor McDavid. You have Leon Dreisaitl. You have Anze Kopitar. You have Evander Kane. You have Adrian Kempe. You have uh, Drew Doughty. Have to think the Oilers are favorites in this postseason, and they came out to prove it with Dreisaitl and Evan Bouchard leading the Oilers to a first-period lead. But no one told the Kings that they were playing the role of spectator as Adrian Kempe would score to restore some hope to the Kings. Dreisaitl would score another with about 11 minutes to play. Now, could the Oilers hold the lead? Well, 90 seconds later, Kempe would score again to make it 3-2 for the Kings. Nine minutes to go. Clock is ticking. Gotta find a goal. Need to tie it up. And who else but Kings mainstay and legend Anze Kopitar would tie the game with 17 seconds to go. Overtime. Almost 10 minutes before the Kings broke into the offensive zone. And Kopitar set up Alex Iafalo to slam home the game winner, stealing the wind out of the 18,000 fans at Rogers Place. And this was a fight back for the ages and a great performance from L.A. as they steal home ice. Now, Edmonton fans, they are brutal. They expect greatness all the time. They have the best player in the league on their team. Edmonton demanded an answer. Well, let's go to game two. Derek Ryan and Dreisaitl would get the Oilers out to a first period 2-0 lead again. Familiar territory for the Kings, but they would not be phased at all. As Philip Deneau and Gabriel Viardi would take over the second period and tie the game up 2-2. Oilers fans starting to feel their heart rates go up. But Klim Kostin and Evander Kane would not be denied. And they put in goals 3-4 and four respectively for Edmonton to take the game 4-2. Shot volume, volume was the story of this game as Edmonton outshot LA 37-24. Honestly, Edmonton needs more from McDavid if they're going to progress against the savvy Kings team. We head to the Crypto.com Arena in LA. Game 1 hero Alex Iafalo would open the scoring within 30 seconds of the game to give LA an early lead. But Oilers star Connor McDavid, points leader in the NHL this season, their captain, would respond with two goals on his own to give Edmonton the lead. Now, could Edmonton steal back home ice? That would be the question of this, of this particular game. Well, not if Adrian Kempe had anything to say about it, because 30 seconds after McDavid scored the go-ahead goal, Kempe restored parity to the ice with an absolute laser beam of a slap shot. Third frame would pass with no goals. We head to overtime. Oilers fans starting to feel nervous, starting to feel that doubt creep in. Well, three and a half minutes into overtime, Trevor Moore would slam home a shot for the Kings to take a 2-1 series lead and preserve home ice for the time being. Game four would now prove to be crucial for either team, but especially for the Oilers. Game four was a 
wild and crazy roller coaster of emotions and heart rates. Let's dive into it. LA would open with a dazzling first period display thanks to Gabriel Viardi, Victor Arvidsson, and Anze Kopitar giving the Kings a 3-0 lead after the first period. So, uh, but remember, this is the Oilers, highest scoring team in hockey. They're never out of it. And second period would prove it as Evan Bouchard, Leon Dreisaitl would both score on separate, separate power plays and Dreisaitl would add another from even strength bringing the score back to 3-3. Third period, Matt Waugh would take over, would score after four minutes, giving the Kings the 4-3 lead. Edmonton, down 2-1 in the series. They need to make something happen. And they get it from Evander Kane with three minutes to go in regulation. We go to overtime, almost 11 minutes in, and Zach Hyman would play the role of hero and slot one in to give the Oilers a breathtaking 5-4 win and tie the series up 2-2. This series has everything NHL fans want. Star power, speed, great high-scoring games. Three of them have been overtime games. This series has it all. Let's move over to a very different matchup of pedigrees. We head to the Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado, as the high-flying avalanche take on playoff newcomers Seattle Kraken. This was the first ever playoff appearance for the Kraken in a hostile environment against the reigning champs. Now, no one told Seattle they're supposed to be afraid, as Ely Tolvanen would open the scoring with the within the first three and a half minutes for Seattle. Colorado would respond with a goal from Miko Rantanen, and then we head to the second frame as Alex Wenberg would restore the lead to Seattle 2-1. Two to one. Kraken goaltender Philip Grubauer would, make, would save 29 out of 30 shots, fending off the avalanche at every turn. And finally, Morgan Geeky seal the, seals the win for Seattle 3-1 in their inaugural playoff appearance. Proud moments for the Kraken fans, like me, as Colorado has some soul-searching to do. Game 2. The Kraken would strike quickly out of the gate, capitalizing on a turnover in the neutral zone. Justin Schultz would one-time a shot from point-blank range past Georgiev for the 1-0 lead for Seattle. Now later in the first, Brandon Tanev would pick up a loose puck in the Colorado zone and slot home shorthanded, a shorthanded goal. 2-0 Kraken. Would Colorado begin to show the resolve of champions? Well, Arturi Lekunin and Valerie Nechuskin would say yes. A goal from each of them would level the game at 2-2. 13 minutes into the third period, Devin Taves would score the eventual game winner for Colorado, saving them from a 2-0 hole. The series heads to Seattle 1-1. Now, Game 3 marked the first hockey playoff game in Seattle in 104 years. It started all the way back. All the games in this series have started. It started with the Seattle Metropolitans with the Kraken scoring first. Jaden Schwartz was able to deflect a shot from the blue line into the goal. 1-0 Kraken. The reigning champs would prove their medal, though, in the waning minutes of the first period as JT Comfer and Nathan McKinnon each scored to take a 2-1 lead for Colorado. Now the Avalanche, determined to ruin Seattle's historic hosting night, Kale McCarr added to the tally after four minutes in the second period. Seattle, not to be outdone, added goals from Jamie Oleksiak and Matty Beneers to tie it up 3-3. Three three. But Colorado would not be denied. Miko Rantanen scored two, and McKinnon added another to make the score 6-3 near the end of the third. Jaden Schwartz would add his second of the night for the Kraken as a consolation, but too little, too late. Colorado takes home ice back 6-4, and takes the series lead 2 
to one. I believe game four is happening right now as we're recording this, so we'll update the score in a, in a moment. But last but not least, we head to Sin City where the Vegas Golden Knights take on the Winnipeg Jets. Now, this is a tricky matchup because the Jets started the season near the top of the league but stumbled down the stretch. And if they could regain their form, they could be a, a, a seeding problem for the Golden Knights. The Jets arrived determined to show they're not just here to sam- to um, play spoiler. They're not just here to sample the Vegas sights because Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois opened the scoring to give the Jets an early 2-0 lead. William Carlson would respond for Vegas, but Winnipeg would throw on the afterburners and pull away thanks to goals from Blake Wheeler and two from Adam Lowry. Winnipeg takes game one, 5-1, and stuns the Golden Knights at home. Game two, Golden Knights needed to respond from losing home ice and respond they would. Despite Winnipeg jumping out to an early lead thanks to Adam Lowry, Vegas would claw back thanks to Carlson again and Jack Eichel giving Vegas a 2-1 lead. Now Kevin Stenland would tie the game up for Winnipeg just before the third period, but the Golden Knights would not let this one get away. Bolstered by the return of Captain Mark Stone from injury, Vegas would score three in the third frame. Chandler Stevenson and two from Stone Vegas takes Game 2, 5-2, tying the series at one apiece, and Game 3 would now be pivotal for holding home ice. What would Winnipeg be able to do? Let's fly over to Game 3 as it takes us to Winnipeg in Manitoba. Vegas had to endure a vicious 69 hits alone from the Jets while dealing out only 39. But Vegas would roll with the punches as Stevenson and Eichel would score to put the Golden Knights up early. Kyle Connor would respond shortly after for the Jets to make it 2-1, but Jack Eichel would restore the two-goal lead before Keegan Colsar added another to give Vegas a 4-1 lead. Now Vegas appeared to be coasting with this game well in hand, but Winnipeg had other ideas. Nino Niederreiter, Mark Scheifele, and Adam Lowry would all score to knock the game up 4-4. Lowry's goal coming 20 with 22 seconds left. And we head to overtime, and no goal. Pressure building double overtime and this didn't take long at all after three minutes and 40 seconds in double overtime michael amadio slots home the winner to give the golden knights the 5-4 win and the 2-1 series win they steal back home ice and those are your nhl playoff updates for the western conference are your picks changing so my picks are not changing i'm going to stick to my guns but fascinating moments here in these games because Whenever you see hits like the one I described on Joe Pavelski in the Stars Wild Game Mm -hmm. series, for me, it's always fascinating to see how the offended team responds. Not just in, not just in that game, but in the following games, because now Joe Pavelski is one of their better players. Mm -hmm. He's a well-liked player. He's a well-respected player. And there was a lot of controversy in that hit because it was one thing if it's just a hard hit. Sometimes that's just hockey. But this hit seemed... There's a lot of controversy to it because some people are calling it a cheap shot. And he was very slow to get up. It's like, what's a dirty hit in hockey? So you are allowed to hit shoulders. You're allowed to hit shoulder between shoulder and um, above the hip, as far as I know. With what parts of your body? You can lead with your shoulder. You cannot extend your arms with your stick. That's called cross-checking. You can't do that. Now, if your arms are bent, if they're 
as long as your arms are bent, you can deliver hard hits. Can you like spear someone with your head like in no. football? No, you can't spear. You can't be like diving. You can't leave your feet. You can't. They have helmets in hockey, right? Yeah, they have helmets. Yeah, they're they, they. I think the last helmetless hockey player I think was in like the nineties. Um, but anyway, you can't. You cannot leave your feet on a hit. Now this hit was brutal. Mm. Um, I I'm surprised. Uh, Pavelski got back on the ice for the other games. This this was a hit you have to look up. Um, but the Stars did not respond the way I would expect normally from a team in this situation. However, they responded in game two with that drubbing when they put seven, hung a seven-burger up on the Wild. Now, the, 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 the Stars and Wild series seems the most evenly matched, and it's going to be interesting in the Western Conference how that all unfolds. The, the winner of that series is going to play the winner of Colorado-Seattle. And I think Colorado will has the easier road right now because the Stars and Wild are beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> so they're going to come in hobbled. Yeah, and I think Colorado is starting to show their quality against the Kraken. I think the Kraken had a great beginning. And what's the series? It's 2-1 Colorado right now. Okay. The Stars Wild is 2-2. Um we have Edmonton and LA. This series, if you had to pick a series in the Western Conference to watch, I think this is the one you pick. Um this has the star players. You have the Kings who won two Stanley Cups in one in 2012 and one in 2014. They still have some of the players from those cup-winning teams on their roster. Um, you have Drew Doughty, and you have Anze Kopitar on their team. Now, Kopitar is a great story because he was drafted by the Kings in 2005, and he's still playing for that team. Wow. He's never played for another team? No. He's, been with the, he's a mainstay. He's been with the Kings his entire career. He's their captain. He's their leader, and he's, a, he's an amazing player. Veteran. Veteran, and like I said, he has... The Kings have the cup experience still in Drew Doughty and Kopitar. And the Oilers are trying to get there. You have McD- Connor McDavid who's trying to get there. You have Canadian teams as a whole. They've gone 30 years without winning a cup. Mm-hmm. They're trying so desperately to get that win. And Edmonton has the horses to get it done. But they're they are going against, up against a team who they've struggled against historically in the regular season. So L.A. has their – L.A. is just the wrong opponent for the Oilers. It happens. It happens. And now you have Vegas and Winnipeg going at it. and Another the, Canada team. Another Canada team. But here's the thing, too. Um, I, I say it's, – it's so funny. I say the uh, Colorado is starting to show their quality, and now Seattle is beating them 2-1 to one in game four right now as we speak. And is it 2-1? Yeah, it's 2-1 to one right now from what I see. Oh, my thing says 2-0. And I was just about to update on that. And then I was going to ask you, do, do, do the, does the hockey... Yeah, it is, yeah, it's 2-1. It's, it's yeah. They, so they literally just scored. Yeah. Does hockey count down or up? What do you mean? The timer. Oh, the timer. So it's like soccer counts up, it, 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 right? Yeah, soccer counts up to 90. Hockey starts at 20 and counts down. It's like most normal sports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So... That was a shot at soccer, by the way. Yeah, it's okay. No offense. Um, you have Colorado 
who are you sorry you have Winnip- the winner of Winnipeg and Vegas is going to play the winner of Oilers Kings now the way things are looking between the Jets and Winnipeg and the um, Oilers and Kings I think both of those series are, might go the distance the way things are going if you look at the Golden Knights and the Jets they're in game four right now as we're recording this it's three two Golden Knights but that can go any direction because the Jets. The Golden Knights are up two one. The Golden Knights are up two to one. They're up three to two right now in the game. But the Jets just scored. It's three two now. Um, so this game is it's fascinating the way these series are going because they're just neck and neck. And as I said last week, sweeps like dominant. They just, don't happen. They just don't happen in the NHL. The teams are so good. There is so much pride in these players, and. It just comes down to which team has the most um, mental fortitude to get this done. Which team has the most self-control to not take the stupid penalty? Which team has the patience to not um, slash a guy? Um, to not to not you're angry. Right? Yeah, because you're angry. What you look at? Um, there was this great jawing between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Maple Leafs. Um, one of the Maple Leafs enforcers, Luke Shen. I love this guy. He, there's a great scene where after the nasty hit on Braden Point um, between the Tampa Bay, the Lightning, and the Maple Leafs, you had three Lightning players yelling at Luke Shen. And they're all like, hey, Shenny, we're going to effing kill you. And uh, like, just all these insults being hurled at him. And Shen's just saying, they're like, yeah, okay, come get it. Like, they don't... Shen doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Like, cause the, and the Maple Leafs, historically, they've been the ones mentally overrun by teams like Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. teams with experience. And now they, they got this Luke Shen guy. They brought him in to be this calming force, but also this um, enforcer to give them this toughness that they needed. And we're seeing as well that I am very curious to see whoever takes game five between the Oilers and Kings because we, the winner of that one, you then can say the Oilers win it. They then have two games at home with a three, two lead. So they're the home team. If mm-hmm. they win game five, they'll, they'll go up three to two and then they'll have the last two games at home. That's how the hockey series goes. It's two, three, two. That's weird. So, and then you have, um, two, three, two. Yeah. Is that how all the series are? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's weird. I like the NBA better. So NBA is two, two, one, one, one. Yeah. I, I'm a fan. I, I don't mind either model. Um, but because like say, let's say the Kings get it done though, and they go up three to two. How, how raucous will the Edmonton Stadium be? The Scotiabank Arena. How crazy will that place be in a do or die game for the Oilers? The Kings are used to that. The Oilers are not. It's just, and it's so cool seeing the history of Gretzky between these two teams, and they're now bashing heads against each other. There's um, there's so much to talk about here. I could go on for a while, but speaking of updates, though, I want like Game Four happened between the Maple Leafs and Lightning. The Maple Leafs were down four to one. They came back to win five four in overtime. Holy smokes! They now took a th- uh, three one series lead. They are now. Keep in mind, the Maple Leafs were up three games to two last year against this Lightning team and lost four to three. So the job's not done, and no Toronto fan is counting their chickens yet. Sound like Kobe. Job's not finished. Job's not finished. 
Um, well, Toronto fans know better, and they've seen they've seen this demon many times before, and they're never gonna, they're not going to celebrate until this thing is exercised. So, I'm excited to see just how far the Kraken can push the Avalanche because let's say the Kraken hold on and tie this up two to two. There's one more game in Seattle. If they can steal one more, it would be I would be I don't think. Um, Apart from the Golden Knights, it'll. I, I wonder how. I wonder what the average is for teams in their first ever playoff series as a franchise. How many of those win it? How many of those teams win their first ever playoff fran- series? Why don't we ask our stat guy? Oh wait, yeah, we yeah. We this. don't. We don't have an Elias <laughs> Sports Bureau intern on retainer <laughs> right now. But I'll be. I, I really hope Seattle can tie this up. I just we'll hire a guy named Jeff. He'll be our staff. <laughs> yes. Hey, Jeff, can you look that up for us? <laughs> yes. So I'm looking forward to see how all these series play out. I just I can't get over how entertaining all these are. Um, that was the one positive about being sick this weekend. I was able to watch all these games. All the hat. Yes. Uh, but if you get a chance, check out Oilers Kings. I think that's the series to watch. Mm. It'll be good. Um so, anyway, those are your NHL updates, and uh, let's head to the NBA East. Yeah. Let's fill us in, Gideon. What's Eastern happening? Eastern Conference. Yeah. Eastern Conference is looking a little more like we're used to in the NBA. Um, got a bunch of 3-1s. So, Philly, they swept the Nets. 4-0. Good night. Easy peasy. And, and Embiid, he was even out game four. Like, mm-hmm. he was resting. Yeah, he's hurt. Well, he's hurt. Yeah. He hurt his knee in yeah. game three, so that's interesting. Um, which we'll get to. So they will play the winner of Boston, Atlanta. Yes. Um, and Boston's up three one on that. That Boston's just so good. Yeah. Um, they've proven it. They've been. They made it to the finals last year. Um, Trey Young was actually voted by the players in the NBA the most overrated player in the NBA. I saw that. <laughs> that's um, got to be so devastating, man. I mean, but that should put a chip on his shoulder. Should I mean I thought he go show him why you're not, bro? Yeah, go I beat guess the, go beat the Celtics after down three one. They won't be voting you that next year. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard to come back from three one, and in basketball, down three zero should never happen. It's the only. Is it really? Has it never happened? Never in the history. Oh, awesome! Only sport. So you have hockey, basketball, and baseball that all play. Yeah. Seven game series. Yeah. It's happened in hockey and baseball. Never happened in. in hmm. Um. So yeah, you got. So it's likely gonna be Philly Boston, which mm-hmm. is gonna be. Oh, I'm so excited! That's gonna that. be an electric series. Oh my goodness! Yes, it will be, if Embiid plays. Mm-hmm. So Embiid's right now. Um, supposedly, Doc says he's fifty fifty. Oh wow. Okay. Well, ho- well, good thing they swept because now he can rest more. That's what the doctor says. Yeah. Fifty fifty for him being able to play. Which, dude, I don't want it. I hate when these great players are getting injured in playoff time. It just r- ruins things. I know. Um, yeah, so we, yeah. You've got Kawhi, Paul George, um, Giannis, Joel. Tyler Hero. Hero, Victor Oladipo. Lots of guys that are getting hurt. Somehow, Surprisingly, not LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Yes, yeah, somehow not Anthony Davis. <laughs> Knock on wood. So then we'll move over to Miami, um, Milwaukee. This one is the most surprising. So Miami just won tonight while we we're recording this. Yes, and um, they're up three one. Three to one over the top seeded Butler. Just went for fifty seven points. 
against the Bucks. How many points do they have total? Like 117 or something like that. <laughs> so they had almost half the points. Oh my goodness! It, it's the I mean, so it's the greatest individual playoff performance in Miami Heat history, which is crazy considering the, the players they've had: Alonzo Mourning, Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, LeBron. That's a yeah. lot. That's history there. 57 points. I told you playoff Jimmy, dude. I know. You did the tell me. The guy shows up you when did, it's time. You did warn me about Jimmy. He is lights out, man. Clutch, 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 clutch. Now, Giannis is, is hurt, so he's not 100% right now. He played this game, though. Yes. And they still lost. So, But here's what's cool. Miami's up 3-1 without Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo, both out for the season. Oh. <sighs> And they're still able to do that. So, but it, the thing with this 3-1, though, is it you, you've got the best team being down. Mm-hmm. The number one seed. Yeah. So, excuse me. So, if Giannis can, and, and, and Giannis was out for two games that they lost. Yes. So, um, Giannis has only played in the one, and he was slightly injured in this one game that they lost. And it was in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. So we go back to Milwaukee for a game. I think the Bucks can take that. They should be able to, especially with Giannis getting a little more time to rest. Because you're going from, when you go from one city to the other, there's normally two games, two days in between. Right. So, so it's like, so they played tonight. They'll be off tomorrow and the next day, and then they'll play the third day when you transition cities. Um, and so Giannis will get a little bit more rest. So I... This should be a good series. It really could go all the way to seven. Right. Which I hope it does. I don't want to see Giannis knocked out in round one. Dude. I don't either, but I also love to see Jimmy play playoff basketball. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. Giannis, I mean, that was my pick to go. They right. were my pick to win the whole thing. Right. Um, so that's that's crazy. And then you've got um, move on from them to who they – the winner of that will play – most likely the Knicks, your your pick. I'm feeling pretty good about um, that Knicks pick right now. Because remember, I said that if the Knicks won in five, I would be like, whoa. Yeah. And they are looking like they're going to do that. Tom Thibodeau got three, those boys one, playing. Dude, right and now. their defense is looking. Jalen Bronson, man. How sad are the Mavs that they let that dude go in free agency. He's just rocking. Yeah, I I think the Knicks look like a complete team right now. Especially defensively. I mean, Julius Randle's not even been out there for the last bits of the game. Yeah. And that's well, that's that's a classic Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau staple defense. Yeah. When he was with the Bulls, that they were known for their defense. Then and they are, and then the Cavs are explosive offensively, and, and the Knicks are just like mm-hmm. got their number. Yeah, you predicted it. the The season series has kind of mm-hmm. played itself out in the mm-hmm. in the playoffs, um, and and so if they if they win. And Miami wins. I mean, theoretically, they've got they've got an easier route to yeah. New York team being in the Eastern Conference Finals than you would you would have thought. Most people would have thought, right? Like I said, Nick Wright said in that playing game between the Heat and the Bulls that they were playing for whoever's going to get swept by Milwaukee. Yep. But well, you know, it's <laughs> looking not like the case. Yeah, truth um, is stranger than so. Fiction. If Miami goes and plays Knicks, the Knicks have a easier path than most would have thought to make it to the Eastern right. Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's what we got out East. Injuries um, change history. 
Mm-hmm. Injuries change history in sports. Yep. It's fascinating. That's true. So you got what's likely going to be, based on the way the series are now, likely going to be Knicks Heat on one in one end, and then Philly Boston. Mm-hmm. Which man, the Philly Boston that is going to be. If that don't go seven games, I, I'm going to be surprised. That that's one where it's like I don't even know who's going to win. I, yeah, I can't predict a winner of that one right now. I'll need to do some more research. I'd like to see Joel. Yeah, if, if I had to choose. Yeah, I want to see this. Just, my dad's from Philadelphia. I want to see the 76ers do well. What would be – so we're talking about the storylines, right? Yeah. I love all the storylines that, that that could go down. What would be really cool would have Jokic and Bede face off in the finals. That would the be MVP sick. race. That would be so Decided. Cool. Yeah. Right? Because they will announce the MVP, I think, like the week heading into the finals. So mm-hmm. after the – so like the MVP in the NFL, they do it right before the championship. Right. Okay. That would be cool. So in the NBA, they they release from from my from what I think it, like each round of the playoffs, they re, they release another one of the awards. Mm. If that makes sense. So they've announced the the newest one, the clutch player, the clutch player, and then they announced defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. They've announced coach of the year. I don't know if they announced sixth man of the year. I don't believe they have no. So maybe that'll be the next one. Yes. But yeah, they, they they already announced defensive play there, which is Jaron Jackson Jr. But yeah, it's going to be exciting. Got lots of uh, lots of upsets. Yes. In pending, I should say, got lots of pending upsets in the in the NBA. Right. Um. You know that. I just I just I mean the Milwaukee Miami one has got to be the most unexpected of all of them. And just and not just that Butler is playing well, but that you put up 56, 57 points. Like, we're talking about historic nights mm. in NBA history. When Giannis is playing. Right. It's not like you're not, it's not like they're un, undermanned, you know? Right. You're the undermanned team. You lost Victor Oladipo and Tyler Hero. Right. And some people said Tyler Hero was the bigger loss in the series. Now, Giannis being out kind of looks like a big loss right now, a bigger loss for than sure. Tyler Hero. Yeah, but, come on, guys. Yeah. So and I I I hope the Bucks series goes seven just because I want to see I, I want to see you got the one seed, dominant team. Come on, get it done. Giannis and Jimmy in a game seven. It'll be good. Electric. It'll be good. Um let's move into our last point today and breaking news for the day. Yeah, breaking the the most breaking of the breakingest news today. The Aaron Rodgers saga, Gideon, is finally over. Yep. It's finally done. Aaron Rodgers is officially a New York Jet. Yep. The deal has been agreed to. Mm-hmm. The New York Jets will get Aaron Rodgers pick number 15 in this draft and a 2023 fifth round pick as well which would be pick number 170 in the draft this year. The Packers will get the Jets' number 13 pick. They move up two spots. Yes. They will get a second-round pick, which is pick number 42. They will get a sixth-round pick, number 207, and a conditional pick for next year's draft from the second round that will become a first-round pick if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the plays this season. Is it? So do you know... 
I, I couldn't find anything. Is it 65% this season or the it's, next season? It's 65% of the plays because it's next year's draft. It has to be this season so for that pick to become a first-round pick. Because the pick is conditional for next year's draft, he has to do the plays this season for it to then become a one. If that makes sense. No, it doesn't. So the conditional pick is for the 2024 draft. Right, so wouldn't it be able to be for the following season? No, because because the draft happens, the 2024 draft happens. Oh, yeah, it happens before the next season. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it has to be for for the plays this season. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I didn't want to. No wonder I couldn't find an answer to that question. <laughs> he asked stupid questions. He gets stupid answers. That's all right. I didn't want to. I didn't want to play the the. I didn't want to make I'm you tired, feel guys. silly. It's all right. Um, <laughs> so the saga is finally over. I think both teams can feel happy about the haul that they got. The Jets can feel happy they have the quarterback to complete their roster. The Je- uh, uh, the fact that this has been held up, and then that's what the Jets, mm-hmm. like. I feel like the Packers won that one. Yeah, I think I I think both teams can be happy. I think the Packers won the trade. Moving up two spots. Moving up two spots. Didn't expect that. And all, and all they had to do to move up two spots was drop back from the fifth to the sixth. Right. They still and, got their second rounder this year. And they have Jordan Love. And they already have young wide receivers that developed under Aaron Rodgers. They have Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Mm-hmm. Not bad choices to throw to, and you're in a tight end heavy draft. And there's That's ones probably there for why they moved up to 13 was mm-hmm. to secure Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid even. Um, yeah, it'll probably be Michael Mayer, but there are options available for for. It'll be hilarious if they no, take the a, Packers. They'll take a defensive player. Though. It'll be hilarious <laughs> if they if Jackson Smith and Jigba falls to them and they take a wide receiver in round one. Now that Aaron Rodgers is gone, oh man, that would be filthy. That would be hilarious. That'd be a filthy wide receiver group. Man. I would, Christian Watson exploded on the scene. Romeo Dobbs just seems like a steal. In the what was he drafted in the third round? I don't recall, but it seemed, I think third seems right. Um, but it would just be hilarious. I could, I would love to hear Ty Schmidt's reaction on Pat McAfee if the Packers picked up a receiver in round one as soon as Aaron Rodgers leaves. Aaron Rodgers is like, are you kidding me? He's that would, tripping his hair out. That would be hilarious. Literally never happened in Aaron Rodgers' career, by right. the way. That's why that would be funny. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this is uh, the Packers got a steal because the condition seems. I mean, the only way, what's the only way Aaron Rodgers doesn't play 65% of the snaps? He gets hurt. He gets hurt. Yeah. Or he plays so badly. There's no way they're starting Zach Wilson, no matter how bad Aaron Rodgers yeah, plays. Yeah, exactly. So and like, if he gets hurt, you're like, cool, I'll take that, you know? Yeah. Like, he that, that could happen. It could not happen. So. His whole career, he, I mean, how many of us, he I'd be interested to know how many seasons he played less than 65% of the snaps. He does not miss many games. I would think. Zero. Yeah. So. Well, it's darn near. They got, they moved up two spots. Got the high second round. So, so because they got the Jets traded to the Browns and got the Browns second rounder for Elijah Moore. Yes. And that, and the Browns, did they finish worse than the Jets? Yes. Okay. So that second round pick's actually higher than the one they got. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so they got the worst of the two second round picks. Yes. But that's still a high second round pick. But they got what they needed most of all, a, good, a quarterback. No, I'm talking about the Packers. What the Packers oh, got. Oh, sorry. I see what you're the saying. The Packers, they moved up two spots, which was not sup- what was reported for what 
the trade what I had heard was the trade was basically second rounder this year and then the con- what, what the, the the debate was over the condition of the first rounder next year mm-hmm. and what that was going to look like yeah I never heard anyone report that there was a potential for them moving up the two spots in the first round and that some people might not think that's a big deal I think that's a big deal yeah to get to get to get that thrown in there you could without lo- losing any other other part of the trade that was reported, right. right? All you did was switch a fifth for a sixth to move up two spots in the first, which is, I mean, that's I'll take that price. Yeah. I think the Packers are very content with what they got, um, and like I said, I think they won the trade. Um, I think both teams should, should both teams should be happy. Um, yeah, the Packers sure. won the trade. Jets still opinion. have their first round pick mm-hmm. this year. They still have a second round pick this year, so they can get some extra pieces. Whatever pieces they want to fill, I assume it'll be offensive line. Yeah, um, they really need another tackle, which is where they'll probably they'll probably take um, one of the tackles in in the draft. I can't remember the guy's name, but they'll take one of the tackles with that fifteenth pick. I assume probably Skaronsky. No, Skaronsky will be gone by the fifteenth pick. I think. Yeah, um, and so will Paris Johnson. Gotcha. Um, there's the third guy. I can't remember his name. Okay. Uh, so I think he's another tackle from Ohio State. You have Pierce Johnson, then another tackle from Ohio State. I got you. So yeah, that the Rogers saga is finally over, and so where does that leave the AFC East? Um, who's the best quarterback in that division now? What are your thoughts? Quick thoughts. Who's the best quarterback in that division now? So you have Tua, you have Mac Jones, you have Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers now. How, how am I going to argue? With- yeah, the three years mm-hmm. over the last three years, he's been the MVP of the league. Yeah, I'm curious if Josh Allen can find some consistency. Josh Allen regressed this year. Yeah, back into the turnovers. He did after Dable left. So. Mm-hmm. And Tua is considered retirement from his concussions. If he gets one more concussion, they're going to force him to retire. They're going to yeah. say you can't retire now. You can't play anymore. Yeah. So yeah, Aaron Rodgers. It looks like uh, I'll be interested to see how the Jets and Bills match up. Yeah, coming into this season. So um, I wanted to close on something. And we've been talking. We've been referencing self control a lot mm-hmm. this podcast, and how in the playoffs and crunch time, games are won and lost on who makes the least mistakes. Um, one of the great soccer coaches of the fifties and sixties, Bill Shankly, I believe was his name. Um, he was a coach for Liverpool. He had a great quote that said, "Every team has an idiot. Give them the ball." And make sure they keep it. So, because the idiot will always do the wrong thing. And we mentioned that quote earlier from Martin Lloyd Jones. I want to read it again. It does not matter how gifted you are. If you are difficult to get on with, your gifts are of no value. Now, that is not a 100% truism mm-hmm. in sports, but we're talking about sports, as I mentioned earlier, they are a microcosm of our culture. And that's a, I, I'm referencing something that Mark Dewey said in his In the Bullpen podcast uh, last week, which you should listen to if you get a chance. Um, he had said that baseball was a microcosm of our culture and that sports was as well. And I want to expand on that idea a little because sports, those of us who have played it, we know sports are notorious for building character and they are a great revealer of character. And they're wonderful for kids to play because it teaches them how to pick fights when to talk back, how to take orders, how to sacrifice your pride for the good of others, how to fight for your people, how to work hard and develop good habits and disciplines. 
Now, it also teaches you how to understand the time you're in and how to handle adversity. To play sports well, you need to understand the battle you're in and who's running the game. Now, there's all this talk about, all this officiating is awful. Those referees are bad. The NFL officials are stooges, all these kinds of things. Now, we know, those of us who have played, no two sporting events are ever exactly the same because referees are human. There's always going to be difference in the interpretation of rules. And they'll interpret those rules differently. And if an umpire is calling a pitch that's low and outside a strike as a pitcher, you need to throw that low and outside pitch and take advantage of that call. And as a hitter, you have to protect that corner now. Because even though this umpire isn't calling the game right, that's how he's calling the game. And you have to play within the rules of the game. You play the game based on how it's being called. Now, no matter how good you are, no matter how many championships you've won, no matter how useful you are to your team, you are never allowed to put yourself before the needs of your team. And I know we've had some disagreements on the whole Draymond Green issue, whether he stomped on someone, whether he landed on someone, whether it was overblown. We, you talked about how his, his reputation played a big part. Joe Dumars, um, the head of the NBA committee that handles these incidents, he said Draymond's history played a big part in this. So... This issue came to a head in game two of the game, the playoffs between Golden State and the Sacramento Kings. The Kings were leading the Warriors 91-87 with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And we know this is when paychecks are made. They say the stars shine brightest at night. This is when it's crunch time. This is when stars are born. The great players don't make mental mistakes during this time. Now Kings guard Malik Monk drives to the basket and takes a 10-foot jumper. It rims out. There's a scrum for the rebound, and King center Domantas Sabonis fail, falls to the ground at the feet of Warrior center Draymond Green. Now, Sabonis clearly wraps his arms around the ankle of Green. It is abundantly clear to everyone watching it. There are people who can say you, he's covering his face. Or he, no, the, the, Warrior, the, the King's strategy was clear from, from game one. Um, but I think the intent of Sabonis is irrelevant here to, the story, to this point. Because the point of the discussion isn't whether or not opponents will make use of the quote-unquote dark arts of defense in order to gain an advantage. Sabonis even admitted after the game that they, he fouled him. He owned up to it. It's playoff basketball, move on, is what he said. Now, anyone who has ever played a sport knows that the savvy veterans know when the referee isn't looking. Elbows are thrown at strategic times. Shorts are pulled going up for rebounds. Belts are held on base runners tagging up at third. Jerseys are pulled from the ref's blind spots. These things happen. They shouldn't, but they happen. And they happen all the time. And while they shouldn't happen, they do happen. Now, Kings coach Mike Brown, I referenced this earlier, he has demonstrated that there is a clear game plan for playing against the Warriors. Their plan is to frustrate and annoy and pester and harass and bother Draymond Green at every opportunity they can. Why? Because Draymond Green has demonstrated that he has little to no control over his emotions whatsoever in big moments. Draymond Green may be deserving of some mercy if this was his first incident, but it isn't. If you want a hilarious auto-finish game from Google, type in Draymond Green Kicks and see what Google finishes for you. There's a list. There are dirty play compilations for Draymond Green on YouTube, and they're multiple minutes long. Now, what was Draymond's attitude after the game? And this is important. Well, he grabbed my leg. I got to put my foot somewhere. 
I'm not that flexible. I can only stretch so far. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Now, I'm not a professional athlete, never have been, never even came close. And I know that I'm just the guy hosting a podcast, but Gideon, I'm pretty sure there are several options available to you that don't include right foot, let's stomp on someone's chest during and getting tossed from a game of a pivotal game too that you almost have to win at that point. Now, obviously the Warriors have come back. They've tied it up. So this is a little revisionist history, but the Warriors have tied it up, but that was a big game and that was a big moment in that series. And it could have gone bad if the Warriors won or the Kings won game three. But now this is just a symptom, as I said, of a larger issue within the world of sports because we see that too many people are willing to blame their losses on the refs, the weather, what they ate that day, cheating. Not enough people are willing to say, I messed up and it's my fault we lost. Too many people are wanting to be the hero, but no one wants to take the blame. Cue the Michael Scott quote, I want all of the credit and none of the blame. Everyone wants the plaudits of success, but doesn't want to be held accountable for sometimes throwing tantrums like an infant. As I referenced earlier, Mark Dewey said on his podcast in the bullpen, sports are a microcosm of our culture. Someone feels they've been mistreated. What's the response? Violence. Someone does something that is admittedly wrong. Sabonis should not have grabbed his ankle. I'm going to say that again. He should not have done that. But he did. And then blamed, and then Draymond blames the other person and to justify their violent response. Now, this problem extends from the baseball diamond to the soccer field, to the basketball court, to the ice rink, and all areas of life. Because what was the response we saw from sports media coming to Draymond's defense? What was he supposed to do? He was supposed to keep his composure in front of a hostile crowd in a must-win game like the four-time champion he is and not cost his team his presence. Now, people do these wildly impulsive things like this and then ask, well, what was he supposed to do? Porn consumption is through the roof for young people. What are they supposed to do? Some of the most common ads we see on sports radio has to do with erectile dysfunction medication. We're going to say these things aren't correlated. What are they supposed to do? We murder our children by the millions since the 60s and then ask, what was she supposed to do? We have lawmakers putting puberty blockers in our kids and mutilating their bodies because of childish and sinful impulse, mutilating God's image. What were they supposed to do? We have situations like this video that went viral uh, last week of these two eighth grade boys wrestling. One young man defeated the other 14 to two, not even close. When they go to shake hands, the losing child sucker punches the victor and then walks away. We have over 25% of American children alone growing up without a father in the home and then wonder why so many of our men have no idea how to get married, raise a family, hold a meaningful job, stay in shape, or contribute to society in any way. And then we have the audacity to complain when a player gets a one-game suspension for stomping on another guy in a non-lethal sport. The problems that arise in sports are all downstream of the real issue. Unrepentant hearts that fight against their reigning Lord and Messiah, Jesus Christ, and His law. So what do we do? Well, men, love your wives. Women, respect your husbands. Drink deeply on each other's love. Have children. Raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Sing the Psalms loudly. And then get to work.